the Dormates are dispatched in their first mission, squaring off against magma monsters, interplanar behemoths, and a child's world puzzle. You'll never guess which one of these gives them the hardest time. We listen to episode 5 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Alright everyone, welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly deep dive through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you as always is me, your producer and host, PJ. And with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Lauren. Hello. Lauren, what'd you think about this episode? (gasps) Oh my god, okay, I know we talked last time about how I was so stressed out because we're starting with combat. So I enjoyed that it started off super intense and it kind of stayed there the whole time. Like it was full of intrigue and like I didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this episode like as a whole. I had my issues that I stated last week, but this week was a, a, a true return of form that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, let's get into it. We begin right as a combat from last episode gets started. At the top of initiative is Leon, who goes to swing on the magman and misses. The fight goes on as normal. Argo nearly fells one with a hit from Florence. Rainier shocking grass and destroys one. Fitz goes in and rages, rolling his effect and gaining the ability to teleport. Great for combat, but for this turn, is teleported away from the combat. Mm-hmm. But he quickly course corrects and throws a hand axe and kills one. Dr. Mushrooms, which maybe Justin isn't in love with as a name, casts Moonbeam. They have some interesting calls on how many people can be caught in a five-foot radius. Hint, it's actually one. Maybe four if the placement <laughs> is perfect and you have an insanely nice DM that has not read the Dungeon Master's Guide. I mean, they went for like radius versus diameter, I think. It's still just not how that spell works. (laughs) Okay, but Moonbeam is like such a choice spell. It is. I love Moonbeam. Again, it's good audio, so I'm gonna I'm gonna allow it. But if you're running your home games, know that that is not how that works. But he was able to hit all the bad boy magnets. Oh yeah. Nonetheless, he catches five of them in his Moonbeam. These are the meanest five. They are surly, wearing backwards cap, popping bubblegum. What even like? Was smoking a cigarette yeah, and spit on the ground. Yeah, they're spitting, smoking cigarettes. Ugh. Griffin describes a D10 as two pyramids with her butts touching, which, two notes, that's a D8. That is definitely a D8. But Justin does pick the right one because he says it's a pyramid with five sides, which I'm like, well, then it's not a pyramid anymore. <laughs> uh, but also, it's funny because in Dungeons and Daddies, they refer to D8s as two pyramids touching ass to ass. Ugh. Of course they do. Which, if you have not listened to Dungeons & Daddies, highly recommend. If you are a fan of the Adventure Zone, it is another super fun, super well done D&D podcast done by the good folks over at Story Break. The magmen explode when they die, which hasn't affected the group as of yet, but since this was such a large group blowing up at once, the group takes some damage from the blast. The rest of the magmen flee, as without the peer pressure of the now-dead bad boy magmen, they run away, and the entrance is wide open. I mean, I know that I'm always screaming for Cleave whenever we go into any combat with like tiny multiple assailants, but I was just wondering how Cleave wasn't a thing in this well, one. Well, Cleave is a homebrew rule. Well, it's not necessarily a homebrew rule, but it's an optional rule. Okay. So not every game optimizes to use Cleave. Cleave is situational. Some DMs run it, some DMs don't. I like to run it when we're running large groups of small CR enemies. But some DMs just don't do it, which is fine. It's not an official role. I was just, I was scared for them because 10 Magmen was a lot. Argo scouts out the cave and gives the all clear. He doesn't scout, he skulks. He skulks with his stealth. It was such a specific word choice. It is clear that the workers left in a hurry, but collected all of their equipment as it is here at the entrance. There are three pathways, with none of them being the clear one to take. Dr. Mushrooms investigates and notices that one pathway is clearly fresher, like newly dug, 
which means it is a correct pathway. They take this path and come across a passageway with fragments of magical ore. Fitzroy uses lingering magic to detect the source of magic. His skin becomes a light show of colors as all of the ore contains different types of magic. Travis has just Argo and Fitzroy perception here, and Argo sees Dr. Mushrooms take a green stone and put it in his pocket. Yeah. I love moments like this as a DM where I surprise even the affected player with the information that something is going on or controlling them to an extent. It was really intense. We learned Dr. Mushrooms felt as if he needed the stone, needed to take it back to school, but he can't remember why after he succeeds on a wisdom saving throw. He says he needs a rock for a project and convinces everyone, even leading Fitz and Rainier, to also take stones and put them in their pockets. Justin goes to clarify here that this is not a lie. Because he truly believes it. Exactly. Yes. The Fearbulg still cannot lie. Yeah, he cannot lie. I did love the group solidarity with Rainier and Fitzroy being like, yeah, if he's doing it, we'll we'll do it too. Yes. And I love the joke when uh, they take... When, because Rainier takes one first, then Fitzroy takes one, and then they're like, mm, two's a souvenir, three's a crime. <laughs> and they were like, it's little crimes. Little crimes are fine, which I agree. Don't forget, children. Little crimes are okay. Big crimes are bad. To quote the shoplifter's creed, if it's a chain, it's free reign. If it's Hobby Lobby, the world's your oyster. Steal from them. They're homophobic. Yikes. They move further down the vein and come across a door. As Master Fearbowl goes to open the door, Leon pulls Fitzroy aside to express his concern with Fearbowl's behavior. Fitzroy doesn't feel weird, he just thought Dr. Mushrooms was going method and wished he had thought of it. <laughs> Leon seems nervous and asks Fitzroy if he can talk to him privately at the school later, which Fitzroy takes as Leon wishing to become his squire. I mean, that's just so. I love that roleplay from Griffin. He really sticks to Fitzroy the entire time. Buckminster calls Leon back and says they'll talk later. Say no more, my trusty ward, says Fitzroy. The lock on the door has a word code. Six letters in the first word, four in the second. The third and fourth letters of the first word are T and T, and the last of the second word are E. So it's essentially blank blank TT blank blank space blank 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 E. My first guess was better mine. Obviously not correct. Did you have a first guess? I don't know if you wrote down what your first guess was. Oh, no. I, along with Buckminster and Fitzroy, am not very good at word puzzles. Mm. So I was just like waiting for someone else to figure out more for me. Yes. Fitzroy does say, I'm not good at word puzzles. Give me a Sudoku and oh boy, I'm not good at those either. (laughs) I am good at Sudoku, not the words. Buckminster tries to figure out who can solve this and Argo takes charge and tries to figure out the mechanics before Fearbulg just puts in a guess, which is letter game which is incorrect, but I think it's a phenomenal guess. Oh, yeah. No, I was here for it. When I run puzzles in D&D, I have two answers. There is the answer that is correct and the answer that I'm proud of my players for coming up with, so I give it to them. Which makes you a very, very nice DM. Well, you know what? If they're creative enough to come up with an alternative solution, I'm like, hmm, okay. Yeah, that does work. Once his guess is revealed to be incorrect, the fear bulk says this is impossible and that they must give up as this will never be solved. They just need to go back to school right now. Not even that this won't be solved, but like generations and generations won't be able to solve this. Word this puzzle. is a lost cause. Yeah. Argo guesses Buttermine. <laughs> I was so excited for that one. <laughs> but luckily we do learn that even though Buttermine is incorrect, if a letter is correct, it will remain in place. So we end up with B blank TT blank blank space blank INE. I had a new guess here, which ended up being correct. So I'll, I'll wait to tell you what it is till we get there. I was very happy to learn that uh, even though Buttermine was an incorrect guess, it is an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yes. So Fitzroy explains that the Buttermine is a restaurant with amazing all-you-can-eat bread, but you do have to go excavate your own butter from a mine. 
Then Argo excitedly exclaims that he solved the lock. The answer is bottom line, keeping with the accounting theme. We don't usually address the ad break in these episodes because why would we? But Griffin did this ad break. He did. And I was so happy. I missed hearing the voice of my best friend, Dungeon Master, and insert blank here. That's (laughs) it. I just felt to mention that. I loved hearing Griffin's voice in the ad break again. I mean, he went, he fully committed with the- So commitment. Travis has been keeping me in a box. (laughs) It was so good. I loved it. Which also, it's so nice that he took over the ad break because Travis- had a baby that he needed to go take care of. Yeah, he did. As we come back, Travis... As we come back, Travis, before jumping back into the action, excitedly tells everyone about his new dice he received from his friends, which are the Unearthed Leviathan Dice, which are Stormforged Dice from Die Hard Dice. They are beautiful and cost $55 for the whole set. Whoa, those are beautiful. Are they metal? They look metal. I believe they're either metal or stone. Dang. Justin and Clint are playing with the dice their agent sent them. They have the Bureau of Balance logo as a 20, which I would gladly spend some coin on. Heck yes. That's so cool. After some research, I found out they were made by Evewin's Workshop, E-V-E-W-I-N-N, who does accept commissions if you're looking for some amazing dice. What? Griffin is probably also rolling with a set from Evewin's, but jokes that he's rolling with some Lucy's from the Game of Life <laughs> and uses the same game mechanics from life to play D&D. I would hand over some serious, serious money for those Yeah, they're super dice. beautiful. Look them up there on Evewin's workshop. They're beautiful. I did like that Travis eventually was like, I just have a random person screaming numbers in my room. <laughs> the room they enter is trashed with debris everywhere. They hear growling and more destruction coming from deeper in the cavern. Fitzroy is faintly glowing from his previous detect magic still and gets almost no magical energy in this place. He's gluing. Like a shirt that wants glue. Yep. Not glowed. Glue. Glue. Fitzroy doesn't have any way to create light, so he is just using the prestidigitation ability of creating a shower of sparks, and he is doing it just rapidly so there is a constant shower of sparks. And quickly, very quickly gets tired of it. Dr. Mushrooms lights a torch, which Fitzroy uses prestidigitation to extinguish. <laughs> then he apologizes and relights it. Before heading in, they stop to ready the legal documentation, then discuss a plan on how to issue a subpoena to a monster. Dr. Mushrooms offers to hand it to him, which Fitz brings up the possible conundrum that it may not have hands. Argo skulks in again. Yeah, he skulks. And sees the Zorn searching hungrily for food. Argo rolled very well on his stealth, so the Zorn does not see him, but is unknowingly headed right in the direction of Argo. Mm-hmm. Argo tries to escape, but is followed by the Zorn, who rears back at the side of Dr. Mushrooms' torch. <laughs> It's so scary. Fitzroy throws him some rations to quell his hunger, but he only wants gems, which they confuse for either a Slim Jim or Gymnasium. <laughs> Travis asks if they want to roll to see if they know anything about the Zorns, which they all agree. Well, clearly he wants gems. I think that's all we need to know. <laughs> Griffin also says Fitz has stink brain, so not to trust him with the intelligence rolls. I mean, that's a really good in-character way of saying if we're doing intelligence rolls, you should go with somebody yeah. else. Dr. Mushrooms learns from a nature check that Zorns are usually pretty chill but get aggressive when they're hungry, which, same. Yeah, if he's hangry, then I get it. Rainier gives the Zorn her stone. He scarfs it down and asks if they have any more, please. Fitzroy says he'll give him his stone if he does something for him in return. The Zorn asks for the stone first, and Dr. Mushrooms readies his camera glasses. I thought that was pretty brilliant for them to feed the gems Yes, it ended up being very clutch. That was just a random thing they did for no reason. Yeah. It ended up working out in their favor. It was super cool. Dr. Mushrooms actually hands off his glasses to Argo because he doesn't really trust himself with the intelligence role required for them. Mm-hmm. 
The Asa Zorn of He Is What Has Destroyed This Mine, which surprises the Zorn, and he seems to feel guilty, but he doesn't outright take responsibility. Not, yeah, not right then. Like, he does take responsibility in, in a very roundabout way, which is like, oh my god, I did that? I'm so sorry, but that's not what they need. The Zorn keeps, by chance, not taking fault explicitly, which they do need an explicit admission of guilt. After a lot of not fully admissible confessions, the Zorn finally confesses and is served. He is served. I will say, as soon as that Zorn had some of those gems, he was very sweet. Honestly, I don't even know if Travis had planned for that. Like, I fully imagine he had an encounter planned. Mm -hmm. And then when they were like, we have gems we can feed him, he was like, well, I did say he'd be chill once there were gems, which totally respectable. That's what I would do as a DM, too. I'd be like, wow. Look at you guys. You solved my Zorn puzzle. Which he does say later on in the episode. Yeah. Hello, everyone. It's me, PJ, your cool compatriot, here as always to thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We have so much fun doing this, and we're glad some of you are along for the ride. What better way to enjoy that ride than by chatting with us over on our social media? Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TalkinTaz, or by searching for Talking Taz Podcast. Or go to our website, talking-taz.pinecast.co for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. Nothing makes the ride more enjoyable than a few friends to accompany you, so make sure you spread the word about us. A note from this episode, at one point we discussed The Son of Zorn, and I said I would tell you guys what the show is about. So here is a quick little rundown. Son of Zorn was a hybrid live-action animation sitcom on Fox that takes place in an alternate world where animated characters coexist with real humans. Zorn is a He-Man-style character who moves to Orange County to reconnect with his ex-wife and estranged son. Zorn is voiced by Jason Sudeikis. I know that, and now you know that. And now we both know one more thing. Congrats on being one of today's lucky 10,000. We hope you join us again next Thursday, and every following Thursday, as we continue to listen through graduation. Now back to the podcast. Once the Zorn has been served, they give him the rock, and he asks if they know how he can get home. Which broke my heart. Yeah. He explains that he is from the elemental plane of Earth. Argo says if only Clint McElroy, walker of planes, was here to help. <laughs> the Zorn does say that Clint is terrible and a monster. He's well known throughout multiple for worlds. For being a total jerk. Yeah, an embezzling janitor. Justin reminds the gang they need to take the picture, so they ask the Zorn to pose with his subpoena. The Zorn holds the subpoena up and smiles, and it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, he's a scary-looking guy anyway. They take the picture, then a silly one, then one where they're all just jumping in the air at the same time. They fail, but they retry it. And then they end up with three successful photos. Yeah. Vitzroy uses his lingering magic and sees transportation magic, and with an arcana check, finds the portal, a tear in the fabric of the planes, where the Zorn can return to his plane. The Zorn cannot get to the rift, though, as it is high up in the air and he cannot leap or fly. Argo rolls good investigation on the depth of the lake, and Travis jokes he'll have to confiscate their dice, as if Magnus wasn't rolling, like, dumb big numbers all the time. I mean, that's true. He had some pretty impressive modifiers, but Clinch, like, but was renowned. But they used renowned. to joke, like, the players, like, I remember Justin would always be like, oh, this is going to be a Magnus roll, because he was, like, low-key joking that Trav was fudging his rolls. But Clint was, like, notorious for rolling really really bad and Argo has been rolling surprisingly well this entire time which he brings up he says I love this character yeah he rolls so well which is true that does happen 
We learned that Zorns are five feet tall and 600 pounds, too, here. So they're just very wide boys. That is, yeah, that's a thick boy. That's a thick-ass boy. <laughs> <laughs> Justin asks if they want him to grow a flower because druids can't really help with anything like this. But he wants to do something. They ask, don't you have jump? And he says, I got rid of it for cooler spells. <laughs> jump is a cool spell. Clint asks if he can do something, which Justin says he wants him in 2020 to stop asking, which I agree. That is the biggest lesson I'm glad I've taught my players, which was never ask me if you can do something. Tell me what you want to do and I'll tell you what you need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Because it's a game of crazy ideas. You just got to you just got to throw them in the ring. Exactly. And the more creative they are, the more likely at least PJ as my DM will go for them. Clint casts shape water to make a ramp. They start to dunk on him as it's still just water, but Clint realizes he can also freeze the water. I thought that was genius. Genius. As soon yeah. as I mean, I thought of it as soon as they were like, There's a lake here, I was like, Ooh, Argo can cast shape water. And but I didn't know if he would get there. But I mean, again, Clint has really come into his own as a D and D player. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time now, but you gotta think back to like early balance. Like mm-hmm. he didn't know what he was doing a lot of times. He didn't. And for him to be like Coming up with this creative of solution is brilliant. And he's doing a really good job, this arc especially, of staying in character voice. I know the boys gave him a hard time in the beginning of the Adventure Zone because he kept just sounding like himself and I had to keep reminding him to uh, go into character voice. But yeah, he's his RP has gotten so much better, his character voice and his creative solutions. Yeah, they've all really grown as D&D players a lot. It's really impressive to like experience. Yeah, it's so fun to... Go from the beginning to now. They make the bridge and the Zorn thanks them and says he'll never forget them, which I actually hope comes back at some point. Like, I know it probably won't. And this is just like something that happened. But I hope we're like an episode like 31 and they're fighting some like insane rock monster. And it looks like they're about to lose. And I don't know where the Zorn comes out and takes like a big bite of its head. And he's like, hey, guys, it's me, the Zorn. I would love if he were to come back. I ended up really liking him. Yeah, the Zorn was great. Yeah. They realize if the Zorn leaves, their plan is effed. So Fitzroy has the Zorn write my bad and sign it in his notebook, a far speech. Not the part of the notebook that will communicate with the other notebook. It's just on a normal piece of paper. Just on a normal piece of paper. Yeah. He asks if they need his email, which Travis says is Earth Mail, or his Gmail, which is Geology Mail. Which was so funny. But they don't. And he just signs it, my bad, signed Zorn Zorn from way down deep, friends forever, have a great summer. <laughs> Do you think he wrote forever or like the number forever? Ooh. See, I'm asking the important questions here. Oh my, I, you know what? I hadn't thought of spelling. I'm going to say the number four. That's ever. what I wrote here. I yeah. literally wrote, I, I actually did his signature, like exactly what he signed. He also wrote a heart after Have a Great Summer, just in case he you're curious. did. That's my head canon, at least. <laughs> I honestly, I want the Zorn to sign my yearbook. Honestly. This is, gonna, this is a weird tangent. Do you remember seeing ads? And I only say seeing ads because I never watched it. Did you remember seeing ads for that Fox show, Son of Zorn? No. And it's about like a kid in like, it's 90% of the show is like live action, but like Zorn, it's Z-O-R-N, is like this very He-Man like character and he's animated in like He-Man style and he's like the dad of the one of the characters, like what? he's the son of Zorn. <gasps> I never watched it, but it seemed weird. And every time we've said Zorn, all I think of is the commercials for Son of Zorn. 
is it like is it pretty peak commercial or is it just like you saw it so much i just saw it so much they mm. were really trying to push that show clearly it went nowhere yeah because i've never heard of it yeah i'll put in the ad break what the show is about i honestly couldn't tell you the zorn leaves and they get a picture of it right as it's passing through the portal just in case argo asks if anyone wants to go through the rift too travis lets them know that if they tried to leave to the elemental plane of earth they'd probably just appear inside of a rock and die yeah it's mostly just earth and rock and i mean that's it right yeah we kind of fast forward through the rest of this they give the evidence to jared reginald they are prepaid their 10 percent of the insurance though it does go to rainier specifically as she is the head villain yeah the villains technically won this one technically as they are waiting to be picked up leon pulls fitzroy aside best boy leon he still thinks leon wants to be his squire and he also <laughs> asks him if he can hold his things Hey, he promoted him. He's, he did. Yeah. He jumped straight to Squire. Yeah. Leon asks if knights are supposed to protect people, which Fitzroy says yes. Yeah. And he asks if Fitzroy can keep a secret, which immediately, without even being prompted, Griffin rolls a deception check, which he gets a 24, and he then responds, yes. Yeah. Of all the boys I would trust, I think I would trust Fitzroy the least with a secret. The secret is that Leon worries the school isn't safe. Something isn't right. He's been noticing just everything feels wrong, which is very concerning, obviously. Yeah, that's very ominous. He asks, well, tell me, what do you think is wrong, Squire Leon? Squire Leon. And Leon says, well, haven't you noticed that the school is weird? And Fitzroy says, well, compared to Clyde Knights, we go to school in a giant wooden toilet, so I'm a little biased. (laughs) I will say I love how Leon specifically is saying that he's really concerned for Buckminster. Yes, it comes up a few times that his concern is there, but a lot of it is based on the fact that he's so protective over Buckminster, which is cute. That's I mean, I so ship it. Cute. I that is yeah, that's my first ship of this season. Mm, it's my second. We all know this. <sighs> Leon says people think he's simple, which I'm like, who are oh. these people? I will fight them. You are the best boy, Leon. Exactly. But he says he's not simple. He's just quiet and he just likes to listen. But because people think he's dumb, they kind of say things around him and do things around him that they probably wouldn't do around other people because they don't think he's smart enough to catch it. Mm-hmm. So he's been noticing people acting different, acting off. And it's subtle things that he's noticing, but it's making him really concerned. Yeah. Fitzroy says, basically, I don't know what you want me to do about it, but he does offer. He's like, I can protect you if that's what you're looking for. Which is... I think that's very sweet. It is very sweet. And then he even offers, like, do you want to bring this to the Heroic Oversight Guild? Which I think kind of scares Leon off a bit. Oh, yeah. No, I think as soon as Fitzroy pulled out, like, the big gun, so to speak, Leon was done. Yeah. He was like, oh, no. I mean, we don't need to do that. I'm probably just being paranoid. I mean, just keep an eye out. Yeah. Still ominous. But is that more ominous now? Because he was like, yeah, I think more ominous because why would he be so scared of the Heroic Oversight Guild? (gasps) Oh, my God. Do you think it's inside the heroic oversight guild? I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. But like, that was the first place my brain went was like, what if he thinks they're a part of whatever's wrong? Oh, man, I didn't think about that. They've been inside the house the whole time. (laughs) The call is coming from the heroic oversight guild. Get out of there. Fitzroy does call Leon his trusted confidant. And says that he has already been promoted to Squire because he trusts him and sees potential in him. Which I was like, this is so cute. I mean, I also see potential in Leon, so... I mean, he is the best boy. He is the best boy. But Groundsy pulls up in his cart. The students load up and head back to school. As our episode fades out, that is where we leave you on this episode of Taz Graduation. 
And unfortunately, this is also where we leave you on this episode of Talking Taz. So with that, I have been PJ. I've been Lauren. And make sure to tune in next week when we are once again Talking Taz.